0: Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with host Dominique Simone Levine, Laurie McDougall, Annie Highwater, and Kayla Solomon. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies and Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast, along with the learning modules and discussion blog, in support of you. We salute the work you are doing. And your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through and now coming up for air
1: hi everyone hi Jominy. hi kayla how are you today Good. Hello, Lori. So just for our listeners out there, if you don't know, Dominique Simone Levine is the creator of the Allies in Recovery website. And Kayla Solomon is a clinician that runs a Wednesday night group and family members can access that group through the website. And I also blog post Laurie McDougall, I blog posts and I offer a craft based group for family members as well that can also be accessed through the website. So today's topic was requested by one of our members for us to discuss about
2: trauma. So Kayla, why don't you get us started? Okay, so let's let's start with talking about what is trauma. And so I think Pretty much anybody who's listening to this podcast, there's an excellent chance that you have experienced trauma because if somebody if you're in a situation where there is crisis, if you're in a situation where there's any level of abuse, if you are in a situation where there's any level of becoming dysregulated emotionally, you get set up for trauma and basically what trauma is, is either one incident or a series of incidents that actually change the way your brain works. Because what happens with trauma, which could be verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse or a massive anxiety over the course of a period of time. What happens is your brain actually shifts to be able to deal with the trauma and we wind up operating from a more um, primitive part of our brain, which is fight or flight. And as we all know, with fight or flight, you wind up losing your ability to think because basically the reptilian part of our brain, all it cares about is survival. And so your brain is saying at this moment, what do I need to do? Do I fight? Do I run? Do I hide? Do I freeze? So those are the choices that we have. And I'm sure there's other choices that people have developed over time. And what trauma does is it gets stuck in our brain and it gets stuck in our body and creates this situation where even when it's not happening, it comes back up. So that actually is what trauma is, because if you if you're in a difficult situation and you process it well, it does not come back. But what trauma is about is it doesn't get processed. So it's stuck inside of you, which is why when something happens that triggers it, which could be a similar situation or something that seems completely unrelated it comes back up and as I like to describe, you wind up looping in that feeling and thought and the sensation. So if you think about trauma is this entire body reaction because you feel it in your body, your heart starts to race, you get tight. You wind up breathing differently. You have these thoughts that repeat themselves over and over again. It might have flashbacks about what happened. You might be repeating things that you heard or repeating the visual in your brain. The way you know it's trauma, it's this repetitive sensation, thought, feeling that does not necessarily correlate to what's actually happening at the moment or it could. So, for example, the person that wrote to us was talking about all of the nasty things and horrible things and accusations that their loved one makes to them when they're altered, when they're drunk or in a massive addiction spiral. And so what happens is that, as many people know, when people are either blacked out or altered because they're using drugs or alcohol They say and do things that are very, very, very mean and often come with this process of blame. So you get blamed for things that are happening, true or not. And what she was asking us is, how does she deal with the repetitive thoughts that she has and the memories that she has when she's thinking about these things in her head? What do you do with that kind of trauma? So that's what the topic is today. Also, I think what we really need to deal with is how do you deal with trauma in general? Because there's there's all kinds of situations that it plays out. So that's our topic for today. So let's open it up and then I can talk about what the options are for trauma. But I would love to hear from everybody else as well. I think this
1: is such a great topic and I don't think it gets talked about enough. And I also... I don't think that people understand that trauma often has to be treated different than a lot of other other reasons why we go see counselors or we go see therapists. And that actually what I've heard, and maybe you can comment on this, Kayla, because you're the clinician and you know the, the numbers and statistics and all of that a lot better than I do. But what I have heard is that traditional talk therapy, I mean, it helps, but that trauma itself actually does better when treated with different methods, that there are other methods out there that treat it much better. Could you talk on that a little bit
2: I actually believe that trauma needs specific treatments. And it's funny, I'm thinking about a particular person who had trauma and I I was referring her to trauma treatment. One of the things that was interesting about this situation is, Trauma treatment can be very triggering because there's all different ways to get to the trauma, but some of them bring the trauma back up and can absolutely send you over all kinds of terrible edges. So with her, I sent her to a DBT program, which is dialectical behavioral therapy. And basically, what that is is a skill based program. It's how do you manage your emotions? How do you self soothe? How do you work with meditation and mindfulness? How do you improve your communication and your interpersonal skills? It was completely established for people with borderline personality disorder, but I think it's a skill set that lots of people need to have. So, what happens is that gave her this framework to be able to handle whatever came up in the trauma treatment, because I didn't want her to be so triggered that she was going to actually decompensate and fall apart. There's a couple of trauma treatments that are very well known. One of them is EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And that basically is based on the fundamental belief that the trauma is stuck in your brain. I like to think of it as a brain massage. So it started out by, Using, They had this pointer that went right to left and right to left. You're thinking about the trauma and your eyes are moving side to side. And that actually stimulates both sides of your brain. And then they have tappers or you could tap on your chest or drumming is a good way and walking actually is bilateral stimulation. So what happens is that EMDR is based on, and there's also bilateral music that you listen to when you're doing EMDR, but it basically raises the memory. And then you're using this bilateral stimulation to dislodge it in your brain. So it gets processed differently. That's how EMDR got started. Now, David Grant, who was, A master practitioner was doing what this what was called slow EMDR, where he was taking the pointer and instead of going quickly back and forth, left to right, he was taking the pointer and moving very slowly across the the horizon. And he was working with this young woman that was not able to do she was a figure skater and she was not able to do a triple jump. And he tried it for a long time, nothing helped. And one day he was moving the pointer and he noticed that she was having this this central nervous system reaction. Maybe she was twitching or there was something in her facial features that he noticed that there was some kind of unconscious reaction. So he kept the pointer in that space and he'd stop moving. And he noticed all kinds of unconscious movements that she was making. And after the session, she was like, oh, my God, I saw this and I realized this and this happened. He had no idea what was going on at the time. But what he realized is that he he started to make this association between the visual cortex, which is the part of your brain that sees and this ability to process things in a different way. And so he developed what's now called brain spotting. And what brain spotting is, is that you, you don't even have to come up with a memory. You just kind of get in touch with that sensation of not dysregulation, of not feeling calm. And you find a spot that heightens it or you find a spot where you're calm and you just look at the spot. You don't have to do anything on purpose. You don't have to bring up the memory. You just look at the spot. And I'm trained in brain spotting. It's remarkable because it makes absolutely no sense, but it works. So instead of having to relive the entire trauma, you could just have a teeny memory or sensation and you find the spot and, and it's, it's come very far. So there's all different kinds of ways to do it now. But you look at the use of your eyes to help you process trauma. So that's brain spotting. So there's EMDR, there's brain spotting, there's EFT, which is the emotional, I think the emotional freedom technique, it's EFT, but it's tapping, it's basically tapping where it's kind of tapping on acupuncture, acupuncture points that associate with anger and depression and anxiety. And it's all these points and you could process through that as well. So EFT, I'm sorry, I don't remember the actual um, what it stands for. There's also somatic experiencing, which is basically where you're finding the part of your body that's holding on to the trauma. And all you're describing is the sensation. You don't have to live through all of the details of the trauma. And you basically process the um, trauma through your body. And you're working with practitioners to process it through your body without having to relive the memories. That's a much safer method for people who don't want to go through the whole thing again. But the the body holds the memories, the body holds the trauma. And it's about all of these methods are about releasing the trauma from your body and your brain, because trauma really is stuck in your body and in your brain. So anything talking does not touch the body And talking doesn't necessarily help dislodge it from the brain, which is why these there's all these different methods. Now, I'm quite sure that there's other methods as well, but those are the ones that I'm aware of at this point. So you if you're going to go for trauma treatment, you want to find a clinician that actually has this experience and uh, training. So specializing in one of these, there are people who, who specialize in trauma, and that's what you want. And there's also people that are not clinicians, but they're more—they're more in the body, the somatic world, where it's like massage therapists that could also do some of this work because they're trained to help you release it from your body.
1: You know, that's interesting. That's interesting that you say that uh, because I went to a chiropractor one year. And he did something in my neck and I started crying and I can't even tell you why. I think about that time and I'm like, why did I cry? I just don't even understand where it was coming from. But I wonder if it isn't similar.
2: Similar because there's also cranial sacral, which is a massage based therapy. And basically they're working on your head and your neck and your shoulders. And that there's a tremendous amount of trauma stored in those places. And so anytime you unlock parts of your body and you release things, that's the point of this. If you're holding it and it gets released, that's where the work comes in. And then you can still do traditional therapy and process it out verbally, but it's released from your body, which is where it's getting stuck. So if you think about trauma as stuckness, that's what the issue is, which is why, When, for example, this woman is talking about she relives what has been said to her and feels tremendous pain. It's the looping of the stuckness, which is the same for anxiety. What anxiety is, is looping in a stuck kind of way. So if you have fear in a given situation and you are handling it, that's not anxiety. Anxiety is this kind of looping, not helpful just kind of suck. It, it's about being stuck. So anything where you're experiencing stuckness, you know you're not on the track because things that work, process out, they move through, they shift, they change, you're on a path. But but if you're stuck in something, then you wind up doing the same thing over and over and over again. And it's not actually helping you. It's not serving you in any way. But it feels like you're kind of trapped in um, a torture situation. Yeah. And with anxiety, you're torturing yourself. So let me ask you this then, Kayla, are these methods
1: designed in a way so that if you're still in the throes of a loved one with substance use disorder and your loved one starts behaving that way, right, starts verbally abusing, I'm not saying physical, because in craft, when it comes to physical abuse, we strongly suggest you get the help that you need, that you stop doing craft, you get out of there, right? But let's talk about that verbal abuse, which can be extremely traumatic. Are these skills and strategies designed in a way that if you're going through that in the moment, that you are going to be able to handle it? Or what do you suggest? I know what I suggest. Oh, tell me what you suggest, Lori. Okay. What I suggest is is this is a perfect opportunity to set down a boundary and remove yourself from the situation. Yes. In fact, I would
2: say you deserve to move yourself from the situation. What you just raised is the historical aspect of trauma. Okay, so what we need to know is there is the history that we have with our loved ones. But with all clinical issues, the most valuable thing you can do is what I say, return to the scene of the crime. There are very few of us on the planet that made it out of our childhoods without some form of trauma. Okay, very few of us. And if you did, let me know, because I don't know you. (laughs) But whether it's neglect or whether it's we didn't get our needs met or we didn't get seen or heard or we got actually abused in one way or another, there's very often trauma associated with some or all of our childhood. I include up to adolescence and and, you know, up to like 15 or 16, because that to me is your, your history. And so what happens is that you're already carrying that trauma. And if you think about trauma as this layering experience where you have the original trauma from your childhood and then you are much more likely to recreate that in your life because that feels like reality to you. Almost normal, almost comfortable because that's even if it, you hate it, it's familiar. And so When you're doing trauma work, you're not only working on this particular moment, you're trying to clear out all the trauma that you carry through your whole life. The analogy that we like to do is the tree. If the tree has a disease and you start cutting off its limbs, it doesn't help you at all. It doesn't help you at all. And what real trauma work does is it goes to the roots. So if you actually take it out from the roots, then what you're winding up doing is you're creating a space and you're creating movement and you're creating the room to recreate what your life is like, as opposed to keep repeating the same patterns and dynamics over and over again. And it's the same thing that you were saying, Lori. if somebody has been doing something with you for years, then it's this accumulated trauma that you carry around. So how you're reacting to it is not fresh. It's old. And once you start treating trauma, then you then have more choices in how you're going to respond. So, for example, this leaving that you're talking about becomes much easier once you start dealing with your trauma because you have new choices.
1: Right. And kind of piggybacking on what you said I believe that we become comfortable in those patterns, which is why we stay in those situations as difficult and as awful and as much as we hate it in the moment, it's so difficult to get out of it because. That brings on this level of unknowing, and we're so entrenched in the pattern that moving away from it is so painful, it's, like, it's just so painful. So maybe maybe getting help for some of that trauma ahead of time can make it a little bit smoother or a little bit easier to move away and to, and to say, no, I, I don't accept that behavior and I'm going to have to
2: leave the situation. Well, I think this is possibly one of the most important points that you could possibly make with trying to do the craft program, because we're asking people to change their behavior. That's the fundamental request that we have of craft. It's look at yourself, look at the patterns, look at your part of the patterns and do something different. And what what trauma does is it locks us in into the old. And, and i think this is true for everything that we are creatures of habit we like the familiar we like to do we like to know what to expect and even though it might be terrible and dysfunctional at least we know and i think that people people are very very happy to keep doing what they're doing even though they it makes them miserable and What we're asking people to do is step into, as you said, the unknown. It's like going up into the rocket ship and like being in space. It might be exciting, but it's very scary because you have no idea what to expect. And that's exactly what we're asking people to do is step into the unknown. And once you step in the unknown, actually, ironically enough, even with trauma, what that does is it's going to raise the reactivity level that you have because you're going to be scared and anxious. But that that's the anxiety that actually is for good. That's the anxiety that allows for change. I'm I'm listening to this meditation by Joe Dispenza right now about stepping into the unknown and basically allowing yourself to see yourself as your own healer. And he talks all about the only way to do this is to step into the unknown. If keep doing what you've always done, nothing changes. And what PTSD does is it locks us in physiologically and it makes it very hard to do things differently. So the therapeutic part of it is to unlock yourself, unlock your central nervous system so that you then get to have more choices. And I think there's added complications with this as well because
1: it's stepping into the unknown for yourself, But it's also stepping into the unknown of what the other person is going to do. And so we're carrying this added burden and trying to find ways of stepping into the unknown and letting go of the burden of taking your loved one with you, that they've got to also kind of go into the unknown and figure it out for themselves
3: at the same time. Which goes back to the control issue. I'm thinking about from the point of view of the person with addiction, And the very high levels of trauma, women, alcohol, it's like upwards to 90% have a history of trauma. A lot of it's severe trauma. And rather than having mean things said, which they are, I'm sure, in that traumatic history, there are lots of degrading things that went on during the the abuse of, of the drugs and the alcohol that are also traumatic and it's, it, it's just, again, this layering on of childhood trauma plus maybe 10 years of drinking, will do as a female. Or we've had families write in where their, their loved ones have been raped, either past or present. And it's adding so much more complexity to somebody's recovery. And then the mentioning of this jumping into the unknown, it, I kept thinking it's not the unknown, it's nobody. If I walk away from that, blackout drinker who's been my husband for 20 years if i start walking away from him i'm putting in danger my whole life because he's my husband for 20 years and and so you have that fighting and the aloneness that you have to jump into is one you have no idea i mean you don't have your resources you don't have the the near future figured out we do that safety planning module in our alliesandrecovery.net site for that very reason. Have something in the, in the trunk, uh, some kind of bag with a few days of supplies in it. Just think it through because it may not be, it may not be horrible what you're walking away from, but you have to be able to walk away from it. So think a lot about how and what you're going to say. We often suggest, yeah, I just got to go out for some milk. You know, I forgot something at the office. I'll be right. But, you know, whatever it is, you need to come up with a plan for yourself so it doesn't feel so unknown. And I know you're thinking of it from a psychological sort of humanity point of view, but I'm thinking of it logistically as well.
2: Well, but the other thing that I'm going to add to that is we're talking about trauma and how to dislodge trauma and how to dislodge destructive patterns which is what trauma is and what's interesting listening to what you just said is i was thinking that what craft is based on is dislodging dislodging the pattern so by you being willing to leave following through whatever with whatever consequences you're creating dis- dislodging and so i never thought about this before so thank you very much because if you think of the pattern as being stuck any time you change one small part of it you're creating dislodging and that dislodging allows for change but again it goes into the unknown because we don't know what the change is going to lead to, which is why people who are dealing with substances don't want to change because they're terrified. They don't know what they're stepping into. So we're all doing the same thing, which is that once you get dislodged, then you go into the unknown. And I think the only way to do this is to start. And this is the practice I'm doing with these meditations is this belief that the unknown is filled with amazing possibilities. And do I believe that right now? Not quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> if I say it enough times and that's what this is, it's like you have the example I like to give is I lived my life for a long time as a control freak, having all these great plans, knowing where I was going, had everything set in place. And there's been these several periods of my life where every single thing in my life fell apart All at once, because I like to do everything at one time, all at once, relationship, home, work, finances, done, collapse in one moment. And meanwhile, I remember just being so pissed because as an anxious person, I had planned for all these alternate possibilities. What if this happens? What if this happens? And this package of collapse was not one of my plans. Okay, I was like, wait a second. I spent a lot of time preparing for the worst. How come these were not on my list? All of it fell apart. And what happened was I was crushed and devastated. And as I like to say, all breakdowns lead to change. It was a lovely moment for me, terrible time. It absolutely was the best thing that happened to me. And so people who come in to see me know that this is my belief system. If you have a breakdown, everybody's like, oh my God, my life fell apart. This is not working, blah, blah, blah. I get all excited. I'm like, great, this is great. Why? Because I think that we build our our life as a house of cards. It's this interesting structure, but then the freaking wind blows, it collapses and we have nothing. And this is the hitting bottom of the, the 12 step program said the ground gets taken out from you and there's a hole. It's not just you're hitting bottom, you're like laying down on the ground. It's like there is a hole where your life was. And the best part about losing everything and changing everything in this way and stepping into the unknown is you then get to rebuild from the ground up. Okay. So instead of living in a trailer, you get to actually pour a concrete foundation and start building a solid structure. And so I am a major fan of collapse. I am a major fan of stepping into the unknowing from my own personal experiences. I hate the feeling but it's led to unbelievable, amazing possibilities that I could not have dreamed of. The
1: only thing I'd like to add to
2: that is collapse doesn't
1: necessarily mean collapse of the entire house. You can have moments of collapse and it's an opportunity in that particular piece of your life to start building a new foundation over there. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be Everything is gone. It could be. It's like little moments, actually. And that's just an opportunity to do some learning and to change some things and to create new uh, newness. Also, there is one other thing to, to think about that Dominique brought up, and that is having having a plan is a really important piece having a plan then having a backup plan then having a backup plan but expecting your plan to completely fall apart is really good yeah so have a plan and practice it Because practicing ahead of time and like doing all of these things, learning craft, coming up with some skills, creating a plan, practicing, going to your counselor, engaging with brain spotting so that when when the time comes and you're faced with whatever that situation is, that verbal abuse or whatever. You do have some tools in the toolbox and you can identify the moment. Oh, here it is. Here is my opportunity. And I can almost guarantee you, you're going to feel you're not going to feel good doing it. A lot of people think that when they start to make change, that it's just going to go swimmingly. Oh, look, I implemented this skill and it worked so great on the other side. No. And you're talking about that, Kayla, you, you're talking about you're entering the unknown. You're going to be anxious. Those feelings of anxiety is going to be heightened because you don't know. Right. And you're breaking a, a pattern of what you've always done. You, that can't be a comfortable thing to do. In fact, it's it isn't a comfortable thing to do. And, and it's probably going to feel worse in the beginning. But once you get to the other side, you're not in the in the area of unknown anymore.
2: Right. And if your intention is to change and to create change, then you need to think of this as becoming a concert pianist. Nobody becomes uh, goes to Carnegie Hall and plays in Carnegie Hall without starting out with uh, scales. Okay, so you're not going to be brilliant at this the first time you do it. But if you keep practicing and then going back and noticing, well, that didn't go well. Why? Because it's not just it didn't go well. Why? Why didn't, what did I do? And what could I do differently? And be nice to yourself about it. You tried something new, give yourself a break, be patient with the process and then just keep going. Keep trying. You said it for me, Kayla. And we talk about this in rest meetings all
1: the time, implement your plan. But when you're done afterwards, review what happened And I often will say, ask yourself, what did I, what went well? You know, this went. I was really good at this. I did this, this, and this, and it went well. And then ask yourself, what can I do? You know, what needs changing? What do I, I do differently? Yeah. What can I do differently next time? And be prepared to have to implement it again and again and again and again. And then
2: one day you will get good at it.
1: Yep. Okay, so we are pretty along in our conversation. We've been here for quite a while. Kayla, why don't you summarize what we talked about and uh, then we'll we'll come back to it next
2: week. Today was about trauma and how how painful incidents, situations get stuck in our brain and in our body and in our central nervous system and that there are resources to actually work with trauma and also ways that you can practice changing with the hope here that you're not stuck to unstick yourself. The goal is to unstick yourself so that you have more options, you have more flexibility, and also you could relieve some of that pain of the stuckness so that you have options in your life and you have choice.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you, Dominique. Bye. -bye. Thank you everyone. Talk to you next week.
0: Thanks for listening.